This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. The Quest presents an encore presentation of Shelter in Peace. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Shelter in Peace. We are broadcasting live from our studios here in Roswell, Georgia, on your Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm joined here in studio by my um, lovely producer, Annie. Good morning. Good morning. And my co-host, Ann Satilli. Hi, Ann. Good morning, friends. Good morning. So today we are going to, we're going to be talking about um, kind of some tough topics. Um, and so the, what we always do when things are tough is we start praying, right? I think that's what we all right. should, should do. So we're going to start this morning, before we even tell you what the topic is, we're going to start with prayer. So let's go to the Word of God. And let's just offer ourselves. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you um, because you are worthy of our praise, and we just ask you to continue to be with us. Lord, we thank you that you are our Abba Father. You are the one who loves us and who um, encourages us and who provides us hope. You are our rock and our redeemer. And Lord, as we look in your word that you inspired St. Paul to write to the Romans, we read in Romans 8, starting at verse 35, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? And then in 37, no, in all these things we conquer overwhelmingly through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for those powerful, powerful words of promise and of hope for us. And we pray all of this that you would be with us during this broadcast today and be with each and every one of our listeners in all of their needs. And we pray this in this name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, um, speaking of that, you know, so just reading even just the words of Paul, you know, what will separate us? Will anguish or distress or persecution, etc.? So all of that, you know, if we look around in our world today, I feel like that's what we're seeing. And we're especially seeing a lot of anguish and distress among our children, our teens, our young adults, because... Um, some of them have seemed, they seem to have lost hope. They seem to not really know or understand what is happening um, around them. And so our goal today is to, to say, okay, so what are the, some of the challenges that we're seeing our, our young adults, our teens face? But what can we do? Because there is hope. Because that was what we just read. Nothing is going to um, 
separate us from the love of Christ. And God wants the best for us. Yeah. So, Anne, it's interesting. You and I both, you know, we kind of said we're going to be talking during the month of September. We're going to be talking about our young adults and our teens and our roles as parents and our families. That's going to be going to be a theme over the next four four broadcasts here is talking about teens and young adults and families and how we what we can do for our families. And um, and it was interesting because you and I both had situations recently where this was really brought home. You know, I know that in the last couple of weeks, I've had calls from various people where they feel like there just have been almost spiritual attacks on their families, whether it was on their marriage. Yeah. Right. Right. Or on their children or on um, kind of just even the mental health of their children or some of the behaviors of their children. And so there is one who is after us and who is trying to devour souls. And I think we just need to remember that. We need to remember that that's going on. So from your perspective, yeah. Right. Um, I've, you know, had opportunities to talk with different youth ministers, and they're really um, concerned about Mm -hmm. connecting with their teens. And um, so uh, Life Teen uh, has put together a series for youth ministers and really trying to help them uh, navigate ministering to teens and young adults um, at this time. Um, And it's called uh, Base Camp, and you can look into that on their website, the Mm -hmm. Life Teen website. Um, and just recently, uh, they had a, a webinar on the emotional health of teenagers, mm. and it was, it was really helpful. Um, the presenter is a youth minister and a family uh, counselor. He counsels, counsels teenagers out in California. Um, his name is Adam Cross. Um, and, you know, he, he started by really laying out the sort of the root of the problem now, um, teenagers always struggle with their identity. Um, it, it's, it's just where they are developmentally. Um, but during this time, so many of the things that they, you know, cling to for their identity have been stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, maybe they were the star soccer player or the A student or the star of the school play um, and, and all those sort of earthly things where they're sorting out their gifts. Um, and identifying with have been taken from them. Mm -hmm. Um, So really the concentration has to be become, has to, has to become finding that identity in, in Christ alone Mm -hmm. and knowing that because we are beloved sons and daughters of the King, that, that we, that we are, we are worthy Mm -hmm. and, um, and we're important in, in, in that way. Yeah, definitely. you know, that's something that we have to figure out how to address. And I think not only for our teens and our young adults, but, but for all of us, because we're all feeling really isolated and, and are wondering where is our identity coming from. And, yeah. and it causes depression and anxiety. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, a lot of people look at a lot of different things that might be causing that depression and anxiety. But I think that that point that you just made about identity and about who we are, and if we don't know who we are, that that can really impact us in so many ways. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast last night that was put out by Father John Ricardo, and he was saying that there, is a, there was a report that was um, just with, within the last couple of months that was put out by the CDC, and they interviewed young people ages 18 to 24, and they found that 25% of the young people they, they interviewed ages 20, 18 to 24 had considered suicide, and it was during this time. Wow. 
which is a huge number, right? I mean, we already know that a lot of the statistics out there talk about how suicide is either the second or third leading cause of death for children, ages basically um, 10 to 24, children and young adults. Um, it's either the second or third that that um, Time Magazine just last year had this uh, big article and they quoted from a number of different studies, studies that were in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology, studies from all over. And they were just talking about how the rates of depression among kids had increased more than 60 percent just between 2009 and 2017. And that um, wow. that. That depression, they they started to link it to a number of things, but they linked it also to the fact that there's so much social media out there, right? They linked it to that that um, the smartphones, the the growth of smartphones, the growth of um, you know di- digital media, and some of the things that well, were going and young on. young people young people have always been really connected to to social media, but now even more so because they had they're in front of their screens more, they have more time. Um, to to devote to that in a, in a negative consequence. Exactly. So that's exactly what I was thinking about. I was thinking that this time of COVID with this isolation is even compounding what their findings found, right? That, that we're concerned that not only are they dealing with um, this lack of identity because of the things that you just mentioned, Anne, as far as that they can't um, the things that they found their identity in through all the things with their sports and their school and things like that. But then also, where are they turning instead, right? Where are they turning instead? And they're they're turning to the social media that's not always very healthy for them. Um, and we know as adults, like you just said a second ago, as adults, we even know that depression in women really plummet, really right. increases quite a bit. Um, the depression in women increases through social media when we watch social media and, and get on, you know, all the different Facebook and all the comparison, you know, tools out there that we might have um, can be, can be really devastating. So, um, so then it's kind of like, okay, so what do we do about that? And your point just a second ago, I think is so important for us to think about, especially as parents or even friends of young people about where are people getting their identity? You know, in the past, where did we get our identity? You know, we got our identity. We understood who we were based on our faith experience. So a lot of times in the past, um, we knew our identity, like you just said, as sons of, and daughters of God, because we were hearing it. We were hearing it regularly and consistently through church, right? Right. And that, and that sense of that community mm-hmm. is really missing right now. Yes, exactly. It's a big hole. Yeah, and it is a, a, a pretty big hole as far as churches, a lot of churches are still closed down, or if they're not closed down, you know, we've talked about how it's just so... Oh, so in some ways, it's beautiful to be able to go to church live, but it's also just kind of mm, sad because you feel like you can't stop and talk afterwards with people. You don't have that sense of community. Everybody's just facing straight ahead. There's no sign of peace. You've got a mask on. You can't even see each other. But even before COVID, some of the things that were happening that were really scary for our church here, our Catholic church here in the United States, is recognizing what was happening. And in the past 10 years, the number of Catholics in the United States has de- decreased by 10%. We went from 81 million Catholics to just 70-something million Catholics. Um, so that's declined. And then the other thing is baptisms. This was a, a really tough statistic that Father John Ricardo shared, was that baptisms have gone from almost a million a year in the U.S. to about half a million just in the last 15 years. So what we're recognizing, what we're starting to see is that the family and the the family 
um, being able to go together and and share their faith life and build their faith life um, is it's starting to uh, really be at, eaten away at right. So usually you got your you got your understanding of who you were by being with your family, going to church, and that we're starting to see that people are not doing that as much. Yeah. Right. Well, so I think it's really important right now at this time to remember that, um, you know, our our fight is mm-hmm. not with earthly things. Exactly. Our, our struggle, you know, from that scripture from Ephesians, um, it's Ephesians 6, 12 to 18, for our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. And, and I think what we have to remember is that, uh, that, that God gives us the tools to deal with that, and during this time, we, we're just going to have to get a little bit more creative. Exactly. You know, you know, God says to us in that scripture, take this helmet of salvation, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, he, he really gives us all of the gifts, and and maybe we've got to work for him a little bit now, and yeah. really turn toward uh, toward the church and the traditions that um, you know really dig deep and dig in mm-hmm. in, in order to in, in order to pull out that that identity. And and I think that this is a time that uh, of great richness mm-hmm. in in our prayer lives and our families um, if we look at it in in that in that way, just right. getting a little bit more creative. I would agree. Um, yeah. A real opportunity for us to create that richness. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, talking about all of this, uh, in the last couple of days of we've, as we've been praying to, you know, get ready for today, um, I'm reminded of, of my own son, Thomas, uh, when he was in, in college, his junior year, you know, like many young college students, unfortunately not now, but uh, back in the day, they did a semester abroad. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to send uh, Thomas all the way to Madrid. Uh, this was a kid that, you know, wouldn't even sleep over at his best friend's house in the sixth grade. <laughs> but um, he insisted that uh, that he wanted to go to Madrid to study. Um, it was a program with St. Louis University, so I felt really good about the campus and all of that. So Thomas went off to Madrid for a semester. Um, and I didn't realize as it was all unfolding how difficult this was going to be for him. Um, you know, he had just lost his father a couple years before, uh, right before he packed up to go to Madrid. Um, we said goodbye to our little foster baby guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we had had him in our home from birth, mm-hmm. and he was um, almost two years old. Uh, and that was just really difficult for Thomas. So there was a lot of loss, a lot of cutting of ties. Um, and then, you know, he went off to, to Madrid for the semester. And, um, at, you know, my only communication with him was, was FaceTime. And he seemed to be okay. But there were different things about his body language. And I noticed he was losing weight. And mm. he, um, you know, he got this really bad haircut. And um, it's like when the girl breaks up with a guy and gets banged. You know, they do that all the time. I don't, I don't know why. Depression, you cut your hair. But anyway, um, I, there were just different signs that things were not okay. But he didn't necessarily verbalize them. Um, and I, 
The things that he did verbalize that really stuck with me were the loss of the sacraments for him. Mm. So here he is in Madrid. He had come from a Catholic campus and was surrounded by sacraments in St. Louis, you know, very involved with a church community um, there going to adoration and praise and worship and mass and reconciliation, all of it. And then he goes to Madrid, this beautiful city with all of these churches, and the doors are locked. Mm. Um, it was very difficult to even find Mass on a Sunday. Um, and while he couldn't really verbalize at the time this depression and anxiety that he was feeling from this isolation, he was able to verbalize the loss of, of the sacraments and how lost he felt in, um, during that time. So I couldn't do anything but pray. Mm. And you know, which sounds kind of silly, you know, all I had was prayer, but it was all I had. Um, and I just happened to get a, uh, a little prayer card from a friend of Mary Undoer of Knots. Mm. And I read about the history of that, and it was something that uh, Pope Francis was really tied to. And so I began to pray Mary Undoer of Knots um, and prayed it every single day of that semester. And when my daughter and I went to Madrid to meet Thomas at the end of the semester, he, he was able to tell us everything that was going on during that time. Um, he failed a class. He, um, he just really, really struggled, and it was such a hard time for him. And I truly believe that my prayers got him through, that Mary, through her intercession, mm. got him through that semester. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I love how you said, all I had was prayer, but... All you needed was prayer at that point, right? That was the most important thing that you could offer, Thomas. So listeners, if you are just now tuning in, you are listening to Shelter in Peace here on AM 1160, The Quest. And we are talking about just the current state right now with our young people and with our teens um, and with our church. And what can we do? Where is the hope that we have? What is the hope that God offers to us and how maybe we need to get even more creative in using the beautiful tools, the sacraments, the beautiful resources that God offers us through his word and through his church um, as we as we support and offer hope and healing um, to our teens. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that you talked about with Thomas is you said he was able to tell us, right? He was able to tell us when we when we got together with him what was going on um, with him, and um, and he had faced the loss of sacraments. He had faced the loss loss of sacraments there in Madrid. The the churches were not were not open like some of the churches are not open now. Um, so he was really feeling some of the things that I think a lot of us are feeling now. The other sacrament I know you and and you and I talked about real briefly too was that sacrament of reconciliation. Oftentimes it seems as as more of a tool of torture. I think in some people's minds because they think, oh my right. gosh, I've got to go tell the priest all this. But when you've got a lot weighing on your heart, when you've got a lot of things weighing on our, your heart, it's important to remember that that sacrament of reconciliation is really a sacrament of healing. It's a sacrament of healing. And if our children are not being educated in the faith um, because we're not baptizing them, we're not sending them to Catholic school, we're not bringing them to mass, it really, they, they start to lose the ability to see that sacrament as something that could offer them hope and could offer them healing. In fact, one of the statistics I also heard was um, only 2% of Catholics actually go to the sacrament of reconciliation um, once a month, but like 75% go never or less than one time a year. And it's this beautiful sacrament that can offer so much hope and healing and restoration of the peace that we're all seeking. 
Right. And I always love to tell young people, especially, that that sacrament is also about the graces to sin no more, Mm. go and sin no more. So if you are really struggling with something, why wouldn't you want those graces to help you to resist that temptation in, in the future? Right. It's, it's a superpower. You know, right. you're given that power and those graces through that sacrament. And so no wonder there's so much sin in the world. You know, mm-hmm. we're not laying that down before the Lord and asking for His help to avoid those temptations. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. You know, when we say, okay, we've got all this, we've got depression, we've got anxiety. Well, some of that comes from because we are under attack, as you just read, we are under attack from right. the evil one. And so He's going to try to get us to sin. He's going to try to get us to walk in darkness. He's going to try to get us to do all these things. But we've got hope. And we've got these beautiful sacraments that can offer us this hope and this healing and these graces to be able to overcome that. Um, and like you just read also well, from Ephesians, the armor of God that we're able to put on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and part of that sacrament, too, is just saying those things out loud. It's, yeah. it's a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's, and, um, you know, that's a really important thing with our, with our young people, too, is, is that we need to listen. We, ne- we really need to listen. Part of the... Um, Part of the the webinar with Life Teen, we were given some uh, just some real concrete uh, ways to minister to teens, and and I just think this applies to everyone in our lives that are that are struggling at this time. But um, just really in communicating and being present mm-hmm. for someone, mm-hmm. in listening, um, emotions and feelings need to be need to be shared, mm-hmm. and and those emotions and feelings they reveal they just reveal a deeper value. They re- they do reveal more about our identity, about ourselves, mm-hmm. about God, mm-hmm. um, that just by processing those feelings and, and, and emotions. Um, Pope John Paul II uh, really does a beautiful job of explaining that in Theology of the Body, um, and, and that's a really great resource. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's hard to sit down and read all of that, but, you know, if you're at home doing nothing right now, it might be good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, and it's it could even be just as simple as listening. You know, you listen to Thomas when you and your daughter got together with him. Life Teen is saying, listen to your young your young children and your young adults. They need to be listened to. Um, when, when my son was a freshman in high school at Blessed Trinity, they had a speaker who had lost his son to suicide. His son was only um, just practically just about to turn 16. And he talked to the parents, and he talked to the teenagers, and he reminded us parents, you know, sometimes you just need to listen. And when you're listening, don't try to fix their problems. Don't try to tell them it's all going to be okay. Don't get super, um, you know, emotional and rah-rah cheerleader or anything either way. Don't go depressed on them or go too positive, but just listen and listen to what they're dealing with and allow them to share um, because we don't understand. You can't say to your teen, oh, I totally understand what you're going through because we don't. It's such a different world right now that they're going through. And it was interesting. So my son's now a sophomore in college and I, I was talking to him this week about that. And I said, do you remember you know, hearing that guy's talk? Oh yeah, I remember that. And I said, do you remember what you told me on your way home from school that day? And he said, um, not really. And I said, well, I told him what he said. I said, can I share this on the air? He said, sure. And so I said, on our way home from school, and this is my son who was Mr. Positive, just Mr. Happy-go-lucky all the time. And he's telling me about this talk. And he said, yeah, I've considered suicide. And of course, as I almost drove off the side of the road, because what parent would ever want to hear that or even believe that, right, about about their son? And I, I said, 
and I just tried to be quiet and listen. And he said, he paused and he said, but you know, then I decided, you know, God really wouldn't like it if I did that. And I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that my son knows you, that he knows his identity is in you and that he knows that this is something that would not be in your will. But I retold him that story and he said, mom, I don't remember that. And he said, but tell your listeners that, um, you know, just try, remember that life has a lot of ups and downs. And so to a teenager, it may seem like everything stinks at a certain point, but everything can change so quickly. And I thought, wow, out of the mouth of the babes, right? And so for us parents too, things can stink, but everything can change so quickly. And your teenager's minds are, you know, there's a lot going on. So just being kind and open and listening to them and not trying to fix their problems is a big deal, but interceding for them, interceding for them. And so that is so, so critical that we do that. Um, And so... One of the things, real quickly, um, we've just got about three minutes before our break, but I just wanted to mention real briefly just that whole power of intercessory prayer. And for those listeners who don't really know uh, what intercessory prayer is as far as not just with each other, right? I ask Anne to pray for me and my needs and and vice versa. But we can also ask the saints who are already in heaven. um, And we can can ask those who are the the communion of saints, those loved ones of ours, ours who've gone before us. We can ask them to intercede as well. And we've got, you know, the the, um, U.S., uh, so so it's in the catechism of the Catholic Church that talks about um, that we can do this um, and, and just recognizing that those saints are not dead, right? We're not praying to dead people and we're not actually praying to them. We're asking them to pray along with us and they are right. alive and they are with Christ. And what they're doing all day, every day is they are praising God and they would love to intercede on our behalf. And so like sometimes we have saints that we feel really akin to because that saint has... Um, a special uh, personality trait or a gift or something that we can relate to. Think about, too, those people who've gone before you who would really love to be able to pray. So, for example, I've got one of my dear friends. Her parents were very involved in marriage encounter, and they were really all about marriages. And she and I were talking this last week, and I said, how cool to think about they're in heaven right now, and we can ask them to pray for our marriages because marriage was such a huge um, event for them. Um, my mom was an artist and she's gone to heaven and she's praising Jesus right now in heaven. And my daughter is very artistic, is looking at colleges. And I'm like, you know what? I can pray and ask my mom to pray along with me for Lily as she prepares for her next step heading into college and, and things like that. So anyway, we're going to be coming back. We're going to be heading to break in just a minute. And we'll be coming back with a guest who is dealing, who is um, working with young people a lot right now. Um And uh, so he's got a lot of hope and ideas that we can share as well. So listeners, you are listening to Shelter in Peace here on AM 1160, The Quest Atlanta Catholic Radio. Stay tuned. This is Dave Sloan from Mercy Care in Atlanta, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Life is precious as it was given to us as a gift from God. He has a plan for every created life, even those conceived in the violent crime of rape. Legislation that protects every life is required because God's gift is to be respected, cherished, and protected. No value is given to the baby's life when abortion is allowed in cases of rape. Pro-life advocate Rebecca Kiesling was conceived in rape and had this to say, I am my mother's child. 
I honor her and bring her healing. Today we are both thankful we were protected from the horror of abortion. Every life, no matter how it was created, is a human being worthy of life and deserves protection. Stand behind legislation with no exceptions. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. You can take AM 1160 The Quest with you no matter the location. Listen live any time of day, discover community resources, and submit prayer requests at thequestatlanta.com. Good morning, dear listeners. You are back here on Shelter in Peace, AM 1160, The Quest, Atlanta Radio. And we have got on with us um, Father Brian McNavish. Um, Father Brian McNavish, and he is the director of the Catholic Center at UGA. Um, And he he is going to be talking to us. He's going to be talking to us about all of the different ways that he is seeing some hope and wonderful things happening there with the young people, as well as some practical ways that he is helping them right now. Um, so welcome, Father Brian. Can you hear me? You're having me. Yep, there you go. One more time. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, we're, we're glad that you are here. So you've gotten to listen to the first half of the show, and you got to hear Ann and me speaking about... Um, the various uh, various ways that we what we're seeing out there in the community, but also various ways that we, have, especially as parents and as moms, um, are are able to pray, able to intercede, um, able to remind people our our our, um, our children and our children's friends of who they are. Um, and so, those are some of the things that we'd love to hear from you, kind of how you are being alert and practical when it comes to supporting our young adults. But as we start, a lot of times our listeners love to hear vocation stories of our priests. So we would love to start with that. Would you share with us your vocation story, Father Brian? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Woodstock, Georgia, and I went to public high school, and then I went to uh, Kennesaw State, and uh, I was kind of in and out of church life uh, as a teenager, as a college student, Uh, and I ended up not necessarily having the best uh, social circle or the best crowd whenever I was in high school and college. And so they kind of pulled me away. Uh, and I ended up actually failing out of, of college uh, oh, wow. to the point of, to the point of, to the point of, um, uh, me really ha- having to come to terms with like, okay, well, like, what is it that I want to do in life in terms of like, do I want to be healthy? Do I want to continue on this path? Do I want to find a different path? Uh, and so ultimately, I had uh, some friends invite me to their Bible study and to their uh, uh, church group. And 
uh, I ended up doing life with them and that kind of like brushed me off and set me on a new, a new path. Uh, and so I ended up, uh, getting involved in the Catholic center at Kennesaw state. And it was there where I decided, I started to lead. I started to get involved in stuff, started to study stuff, uh, like apologetics and like the reasons for why we do stuff. Uh, but ultimately at one point I was a discerning priesthood and I kind of found that to be something that was on my heart. Uh, and somehow with you know, some sort of grace of courage, I just kind of started to apply. I started to ask questions and I applied mm-hmm. and I, I ended up going, uh, and I really never looked back. Uh, because I think that, I think that for me, it's like, uh, I, I recognize what a path that without Christ looks like for me. Mm. And I'd rather do this life with Christ. And, and for me, this is what that looks like. And I've, I've never regretted anything since. That's in great. Terms of, yeah. So what's so beautiful about that story, I think, is just the hope. Once again, this show is really all about a hope and an encouragement. And um, we never know where things are going to end up, but we do know that God always has a plan, and He has a plan for each and every one of us. And so your story is such a beautiful example of what God's plan was. Um, so I'm assuming, Father Brian, that this makes it even more easy for you to relate to the students who you're working with at UGA right now. Is that correct? So I'm working, yeah, correct, I'm working with uh, students here at University of Georgia. So I've been ordained two years as a priest, uh, and then I was asked uh, this past year to uh, come to Athens and to work with our Catholics who are here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, during a strange year, uh, but it's kind of a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm open to the challenge of, okay, how do we get creative? Uh, you mentioned uh, steps in, in loving creatively. Pope Francis talked about that. How do we be creative in our love yeah. to each other during this time? Uh, and so it's kind of just a, a challenge or an opportunity of, of creativity, really, of how do we serve these, these students? How do we foster their relationship with God uh, and their relationship with the Church and with each other uh, during this time? Uh, and so for me, I'm, I'm very hopeful with it. Uh, I get to it's a fun, it's a fun job. I get to uh, hang out with, with college students who are uh, very fun. They're, they're free spirited. They are adventurous and curious. And uh, it kind of brings some life to me as well as, <laughs> as a priest or as a, as a, as a Christian, as a guy. Um, it's, it's nice to, it's fun to work with them. Yeah. And they're, they're incredibly inspiring. They're incredibly inspiring in their own faith. Um, because for me, like I said, like I, I was in a place where I failed out of school because of the decisions that I was making, the poor decisions that I was making. Uh, whereas for them, a lot of them are already committed to following Christ or they're already committed to healthy lifestyles. And uh, they're, in a, they're in such a good place for, I say, their age. Um, it's, it's inspiring, yeah, to have things, to have great upbringings uh, from, with a lot of families or, or if they don't have a great upbringing, they're engaging uh, how to move forward in their own relationship with God and, and everyone else. And so it's, a, it's an inspiring group of, group of folks. That is great. And thank you for sharing that, because as parents, we sometimes don't see all those positive things, right? We don't, we're, we're the ones that battle maybe with our teens, or we're frustrated because they seem to sleep a lot or be a lot on social media or watching, um, you know, binging on Netflix or whatever. So hearing a priest who's there with them day to day, 
and who actually gets to see them real and live and without, you know, trying to prove anything to anybody. Um, it's your words are inspirational for us. And they, they do bring us hope as parents to be able to hear that. So thank you very much for that. So um, before we get into some of the neat ways that you've seen them really overcome and and do some of the things that have inspired you and surprised you, um, just to set the reality for the parents out there to understand what's happening with their kids at college, what are some of the struggles that you're seeing the college students have right now? They are so some of the some of the issues that I see is just kind of your human, your natural human uh, struggles that people have, mm-hmm. um, which is trying to understand themselves, trying to find their role in the world. Um, and having high expectations or other people having high expectations of them. Uh, not uh, one, one thing that I found interesting is like not uh, having a place where you feel like you belong and, and feel like you fit in. Maybe it's because you don't know all of the church uh, teaching, or maybe it's because you don't, you come from a background that's a little bit different and you're kind of intimidated by the larger crowd. Oh, I'm not as Catholic as they are, or they're different. They do different things differently than me. Um, and so there's a lot of like kind of that stuff, which is somewhat easy to dismantle, mm-hmm. uh, over, over time. Uh, mm-hmm. but I would say that, um, right now, I think that the biggest thing, because you throw throw pandemic on top of it, yes. the biggest thing I think is that there's a lack of, of human interaction, which mm-hmm. I think is, uh, it's a shame. It's, it's, and it's not just for them. Uh, it's for everybody, everyone in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, a lack of human interaction, a lack of human encounter, mm-hmm. right? If we think of if we think of the method of which God entered into the world, it was through hu- through humanity. Mm-hmm. It was through our touch. It was through see- being seen. It was through listening, a listening ear. Uh, it was through engagement and laughing and and voice and uh, talking to each other and, and experiences, et cetera, and and just kind of you know create a abyss in between individuals, and all of a sudden you have some sort of crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's that's something that we need. It's something that we are uh, created for. We're created for uh, community, and we're created for uh, belonging to each other in a very profound way. Uh, and so those are those are things that that's kind of the context. And then that you add on top of that that your classes in the university are virtual, mm-hmm. uh, and so you're not actually like engaging with other students. Uh, or maybe you have one or two roommates and you don't really get along with them. Uh, well, what other community do you have? Like mm-hmm. that's, or if you're a freshman and you're just entering into the, the a whole different community, uh, where do you go? Mm-hmm. And who is there? It can be incredibly lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can mm-hmm. be incredibly isolated and, and daunting uh, and frustrating and disappointing. Uh, and a lot of folks, a lot of, I'm, I've come to find this out. A lot of folks here at UGA, they come from Southern Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're moving somewhat far. I say somewhat far. They're not necessarily Atlanta local, but they're Southern Georgia. And so they're moving far away uh, out of a small town into a, you know, more uh, bigger, bigger town, college town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're, they don't have family who are super close. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily have a, a large community mm-hmm. uh, because we're distancing. There's no classroom setting, et cetera. And so it can become very isolating and daunting uh, considering a lot of factors. Right. You know, and Father, you, we heard, you know, Anne read for us um, 
the the fact that we are against we are fighting our struggles not against the enemies of flesh and blood but against spiritual forces of evil and because yeah. god came to us right in human form and because god did create us for connection he created us for community he created us for connection uh, we see him in each other that that's of course one of the ways that the evil one is going to want to attack us and he was already doing that using all kinds of things like we said you know creating all these ways that we were individually in our own isolated areas watching binge watching things or being on social media but now this pandemic has just really exacerbated it and i really do feel like you know it's just another way that he is trying to separate us trying to separate us from each other trying to separate us from the love of god that we experience when we're in community with each other and i think so as parents i think it is and 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 as i said parents grandparents you know friends aunts uncles whoever it might be recognizing that exactly what you just said those kids in college already just by virtue of the fact that they're in a brand new place and especially some place like uga where there are thirty thousand students and maybe their high school had 30 you know in their graduating class yeah. right they they already are going into this place where they maybe feel alone and isolated but now because of the pandemic there it's exacerbated to such an extreme level so you guys did something really creative you know we were talking about what are the creative ways that we can um attack this and that we can love into this this issue um tell our listeners about the really cool thing that you guys did to help create um just community and even more of a space for community there for the for the students yes yeah, so one of the things that uh I, I stumbled upon whenever i got here at the university of georgia and the, and the myself along with the other priest who's here and the staff uh is we stumbled upon um, this question is how do we uh, create a space for our students to exist and to be and to be in community in a safe way, right? Because mm-hmm. our my my as a priest, my emphasis has never been like safety. I've always kind of <laughs> taken that for granted, and now I have to think in safety terms. Uh, and so, how do we create a, an environment that's safe, or, or activities that are safe, or mass liturgies that are safe? Uh, and so, one of the things that we did is we renovated. Uh, and kind of reimagine the upstairs of our Catholic Center, which was a kind of a guest bedroom for clergy. Mm-hmm. So, like, clergy can have their, their family over, or they can have, you know, maybe if the bishop's in town, he can stay there. Uh, and it was, it was this three-bedroom uh, apartment. Uh, and in the years past, this, uh, there's been priests who have lived there, et cetera, full-time. Uh, but it's been empty. It's been, it was, it's been vacant. And so uh, for one of the things that we did was we kind of redecorated, reimagined it, and we turned it into a student space. Mm. And, we, and it, was, it was such a cool, such a cool thing because all of a sudden, in the midst of a depressing semester or a depressing year or in the midst where there has been you know, a lack of community, a lack of engagement of friends, uh, we, we were able to offer the students a space that is now kind of like a hangout space or it's mm. a uh, a study space. Now you can do your classes that are on the internet. You can do them here. Uh, just this week, we're talking. Okay, how do we how do we uh, accelerate our internet speeds because we're having students here doing the classes on a regular basis, uh, which is a great problem to have. Right, it's mm-hmm. a great problem to have is that they're hanging out at church uh, where they feel comfortable. Yeah, right? yeah, they feel is... comfortable hanging out with me. They they're priests. They feel comfortable hanging out in this space. Uh, it allows allows ministry to happen uh, easier, uh, I would say. But that was, yeah, so that was one of the things we did is we renovated an upstairs space, 
and created a, uh, a hangout space. They, and the students took ownership of it. So they did all of the decorating, all of the, all of the renovating. Uh, they picked out furniture. They painted the walls. They, they uh, you know, painted the cabinets and the kitchen, all of this stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so they took ownership of it. They named it the upper room. Mm. Uh, so the upper room from <laughs> Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Jesus was in the upper room for Last Supper, and then also Pentecost happens in the upper room. Uh, and, you know, Doubting Thomas also uh, was <laughs> encountered in the upper room. And so, so it's kind of this cool, cool positive energy, positive um, momentum that is happening uh, in the midst of something that's not actually super positive all the time. That, right this year. Yeah, that is great. You know, and, and my son is in college right now, too, and it was interesting for me last week to hear from him that he went to Bible study um, at, the, at, a Catholic, at the Catholic Center at his university. And I thought, oh, that is so awesome because everything else is shut down right now. And you told Ann and me when we were prepping for the show that it was kind of interesting recognizing that because of the direction that you're receiving as a Catholic priest, you had more freedom to be able to do that than maybe some of the other people on campus. Can you tell us about that a little bit, too? Yeah, so our Archdiocese gives all the parishes in, in the Archdiocese of Atlanta uh, guidelines for gathering, mm-hmm. right? And it's and it's more strict protocol than uh, your restaurant. It's, it's more strict protocol than your uh, grocery store or your department store. Uh, we actually have this very strict uh, guidelines where you have to sit so far away from each other. Uh, you don't have to come. That's one thing. Uh, the dispensation is extended. You don't have to come. You have to wear a mask. You have to receive communion in a certain way. You have to sanitize, you know, take your temperature, all this stuff. Uh, and so for us, it's like, okay, well, if we can figure that out, then we can continue. Mm-hmm. We can continue to do, uh, we can continue fostering people's relationship with God. We can continue giving people some sort of setting to wrestle with the stuff of life in, in our church. Uh, and so we started doing that, we, and our programming as well. So on Sunday, Sunday's kind of our backbone of our programming, where we have our student masses and we have kind of a to-go meal uh, afterwards, a free free meal afterwards for students to take. And then during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're doing events. So this may be your Bible study. This may be your praise and worship adoration. This may be uh, an outreach uh, to freshmen or a speaker series or your small groups, all this stuff. But we had to, before the semester began, we had to figure out, okay, protocol, like, how do we, can we do this in general? And if we do do this, how do we do this in a safe manner? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, you know, really dedicated a lot of time and energy into figuring that out for the sake of, again, fostering people's relationship with God in the midst of a year where they may very well need it more than other years. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so we started doing that, and then I get on a... I get on a call with uh, the University of Georgia and all of the other religious institutions who are uh, present on campus here. This is your Jewish group. This is your Presbyterians, your, your Lutherans, your Episcopalians, your Baptists, uh, all, all of the groups. And uh, what, I'm, what I found was that most of these groups don't have a larger entity like the Archdiocese of Atlanta who makes a decision uh, – kind of a, a strict decision, basically, for the entire territory, for the entire North Georgia. Uh, but for them, they kind of make their own decisions. So a lot of them made the decision, well, let's just not meet. Let's mm-hmm. just meet on Zoom. Let's just, you know, do video calls or let's do, like, how do we pivot? Uh, and for us, thankfully, is we have, I mean, I trust the diocese because they, they have a group of people who gather together 
who are more knowledgeable to, than me about uh, the science behind this, the public health aspect, uh, you know, and then the bishop ultimately kind of gives us a, a direction. Uh, and so for me, it's, it's, it's kind of been a blessing because we've been able to offer something to our students. Meanwhile, groups down the road, they are not able to, or they're, they're choosing not to, uh, or they don't have a, a, the same kind of group uh, helping make those decisions. And so yeah. you know, I've really been, really been thankful that uh, as a priest, you know, my ministry isn't just halted or stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also the fact that, okay, these students also are in need, and so we're continuing to be able to serve them, Yeah, uh, albeit in, in a strange time, but yeah. I mean, it's it's strange. We're going to do it. That's great. And that's such a blessing. I know sometimes, you know, our church gets a little bit of a, a bad rap for the hierarchy that we have. But I think this is mm-hmm. a beautiful, um, a beautiful example of how um, just the structures that are put in place are there to support you and to encourage you and to provide you with the freedom and the flexibility to do what God is calling you to do. Um, so our, our the, students the, really are in yeah. good hands, you know, with you, Father, and, and your fellow priests who are who are able to um, to meet their needs. So listeners, if you were tuning in, you were listening to Father Brian McNavish, who's the director of Catholic, the Catholic Center at University of Georgia. And we're talking about what are the creative ways that we're able to meet the needs of our young people today in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this, this time that's so different and so challenging and that can cause um, just an attack in so many ways. So Father, one of the other things you mentioned to us is that you heard... Um, that that some of the students were struggling um, just on a basic level around food. You know, there's always the joke about the college child who's always um, hungry, right? And um, and it, I know, for example, some of the things that I'm hearing from other universities is that it's just challenging. It's challenging for them to figure out where and how to get food because the cafeterias aren't open the way they're used to. They're usually open, and that. Um, if they are open, you have to go cer- during certain times and the lines are long and you have to do takeout. So you started to hear and see that as well. So what was the creative way that you guys addressed that for your students also? Yeah, so the U- the University of Georgia, I think, is doing a great job in trying to pivot mm-hmm. in terms of how they're responding to all of this. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're dedicated, they're committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, they can only do as much as they can. And exactly. so when it came to their... When it came to their uh, the food situation for all the students who are now back on campus, how do we feed them in a safe way or in a in a sanitary way? How do we not spread this? Uh, and so for them, they're having to figure that out. And and as we start to see it, because a lot of our students are part of these meal plans, is that okay? Well, now they are either having to order on their phone, they're having to, and go pick it up or have it delivered. There's long wait times. Uh, the food sometimes hasn't been uh, the best because, again, like the the university is is still as well trying to uh, pivot and make sure how do we feed individuals because that's what they're committed to. Um, and so, what, one of the things that we did is we uh, began a food pantry for our students. And so, we've been asking our uh, local community for donations. Hey, can you give food? Can you give any kind of food? Uh, non-perishable items, especially. Um, but any kind of food, I've been emphasizing healthy food. Can you mm-hmm. get some sort of healthy food? Because we got we got a whole closet full of ramen uh, that that came from that ask. And so, I mean, they, and they eat ramen. Uh, this is not a problem. But uh, but, but it, it's it's been such a such a cool thing that has happened. Another positive event: seeing people come together, seeing donations happen. We had a truckload 
uh, of individuals from another parish, wow. uh, the Prince of Peace and Flowery Branch. They came down and they donated a whole a truck bed of of food for our students. Yeah, so shout out to uh, Prince of Peace. You guys are awesome. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, and we not only had to make, you know, we were not, we were able to fill one closet, but now we're able to uh, fill more closets of food, and now we have an abundance of, of food for individuals who uh, are in need. Because one of the things that I found out uh, in conversations with other folks here at the university is that uh, the number is a harsh, harsh number. It's 24 to 25% of of university students are food insecure, uh, meaning that it doesn't mean that they're hungry every day, but it, mean, it means that if something happens to them or if there's a disruption in their life, then their, their next meal may be hard to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's a death in the family or if their parents lose a job or if they lose their job, uh, then they're actually in need. That's a huge number. That's one, mm-hmm. out, of, one out of four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the larger backdrop of of food insecurity being a thing on college campuses, uh, also add pandemic on top of it and, and kind of throwing a wrench into our food uh, dining halls. Okay, how can we offer as much food as possible to our students? Yeah. And the reception that we've gotten is an abundance of food from uh, benefactors, from people who have just heard about it, people who have seen my social media posts about it. Uh, they're sending money, they're sending food. Uh, it's been an incredibly humbling uh, thing just watching people's generosity. That is amazing. And so you are being so creative there and using your resources, you know, your own, your own, um, the place you live there and where you can make that place into a student center, but also really relying there on the parishioners there in Athens to help meet those needs. And so it's so, so very helpful. And, you know, you're offering food, but we know that the true food is the bread of life that we get from the from from Christ. And so we've got both the body of Christ and the parishioners that are there, but also the body of Christ that you're able to continue to offer there in the sacrament that you offer to the students. So we just really, really thank you, Father, for all that you're doing for, for the students there at UGA and for the inspiration and the hope that you're offering um, maybe to others, maybe as they listen here, um, other parents who are maybe getting ideas of how they can help. Um, and so we just, we really thank you for that. So we only have a couple of minutes left, Father, and we would love for you to pray a blessing for for our listeners and maybe for the other um, students, other college students out there. Would you do that for us, please? Sure. Yeah. So let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for life. We give you thanks for what you're doing in our lives. We give you thanks for this year, even if it's a confusing year. Uh, We ask that you bless us as a community in in North Georgia, as a community in Atlanta, with your peace, with your hope. Help us to recognize uh, your actions in our daily lives. Uh, Help us to recognize uh, all of what you're doing in our churches and in our families and our own personal lives. We give you thanks. I ask that you bless these students, uh, bless them with hope, bless them with life, continue to breathe your life breath into them, uh, and please also do that to all of the listeners of the quest. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Thank you so much, Father Brian, for being with us today. Thank you, my dear co-host, Anne. And dear listeners, you have been listening to Shelter in Peace here on The Quest AM 1160. And we just hope that that we just pray that the, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned, and we hope to see you again next week here on The Quest.